So, uh, Alton, you're just finishing up on the dishes when you get a knock on the door. Um, you have an idea of who it is, having sent for someone earlier, but no way yes. of being 100% certain. Yeah, Alton absolutely, like, puts one of his dishes down, looks suspiciously at the door. An ambush. And, <laughs> and then walks over and, like, <laughs> opens it. It's like, ah, fishman. You, Good. uh, you called for me? Yeah, yeah, you're, um, you're off your shift, aren't you, right now? I'm always on shift. I just take time off every now and then. If you can call it that, it's... More so, just I work less. Good to hear, good to hear from the doctor's perspective. <laughs> right, you wanted to uh, have a talk about how the pistols work. Like, you wanted to learn? Yeah, I saw them in action. And can I just say, incredible. I'm so, I've been waiting for quite some time. You don't use them very often at all. And every time you use them, I just so happen to not be there. I hear tales of people and they say how awesome it is. And I finally got to see it. And you explained a little bit about it. I, I know very little. Perhaps I can help, but I don't know. I just really wanted to have a closer look. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've done a, a couple of modifications on them myself, so I'm glad that they are impressive. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's like, it's not magic, as you said. It's, it's, it's an actual chemical reaction or something of the sorts. And it, it, explosion, maybe, in like, is it an enclosed chamber? And it, what, what does it fire? Do you, do you have different ammunition? You mentioned, I believe, black powder or gunpowder. I, I don't know. It's all so new to me. Yes. All right. All right. Um, oh, yep. I've got them stashed in the kitchen. Okay. All right. Um, uh, go sit down in the mess hall and I will tell you everything. He, he ducks out. He grabs his pistols from like under a pot or something. <laughs> Meanwhile, Fishman is like, everything? <laughs> and I know there's a Probably a lot, I don't know, but to describe it as everything, is there <laughs> some, is it magic? Perhaps does it rip it, rip in time and space and fabric? What? Oh my. All oh, right. So I need to prepare myself. And he will sit him down in, in the mess hall and like have like his book open, ready to go, like expecting to write an essay of whatever you're about to show him. <laughs> Right. Um, oh, I've got an old crossbow that needs fixing as well. So, you don't you don't know too much about how the pistols work. Do you just want to run down on the process, or I do you want to know how to fire them? And everything you said, everything. I would like to know it all. I've heard of these pistols before, firearms, but they're so. Rare. Yes, yes. I haven't, I haven't come across many of them um, up here on the surface. 
I was pretty damn excited to find one. It's hard to get my hands on it. Um, right. So he just gets out his uh, dual pistols and he's like, so uh, basically brief summary on how these work. So uh, I should have proper bullets in them, but those are really fucking expensive. Um, so I just have glass powder with little bits of metal sometimes can damage, it can uh, damage the actual gun. Haven't had too much of a problem yet. Would be great if I could get pistols, um, if I could get proper bullets. So basically, and he's like, starts like, um, he's like, and then he looks up to see whether Fishman is taking notes. Oh, yeah, he's, like, writing every single word. Right now he's gotten really fucking expensive. Uh, detrimental to the weapon itself to fire perhaps causes damage both internally and externally. The amount of maintenance that's required for this particular type of weapon seems uh, not a good ratio. I, but... He just keeps on writing and writing and writing. Um, he doesn't stop. Alton like, has a quick squeeze and it's like, yeah, good points, good points. Yeah, he does do the thing where he's, like, looking at you, though, but, like he's writing. It's the equivalent of, like, touch typing. Alton looks so chuffed. <laughs> so, so uh, basically, so we've got, the, we've got the trigger here. We've always got to make sure we've got the safety on and it's not loaded right now because, you know, gun safety. I don't want to chop, uh, shoot my foot off. Do it. Don't, not, don't shoot your foot off. Just... <laughs> Shoot it. I I need to see it again. If that's okay, I I will pay you. When you say fucking expensive, is that like my retirement funds expensive? Or is that like a week's worth of pay expensive? You have retirement funds? Um, it, we do you not? Monetary you should level. be saving it. I mean, I probably can now. This is a really good wage. How long have you been in this position? Uh, three months. And did you have a job before this? Perhaps doctor, medic? Yes, yes, I was yes. a medic. Seems to be, I would imagine, a high-paying job. No? People tend to get quite grateful when you, you know, save their life. I mean, maybe if I was saving the lives of nobles or something, if I'm saving the lives of people who can barely pay to feed themselves, uh, it doesn't really happen. Actually, I did. I do see here in my book, you apparently healed the enemy as well when we were raided or boarded by that enemy crew. I do like your style, but are you sure that was the right move? It seems you have a great passion for the practice, but they could very well be our enemies later down the line. I mean, yeah, fair point. I do try to heal the people, anyone who needs it, but we were trying to keep her alive as a hostage. That is true. And a hostage is more valuable alive than dead. Yes. If, they, if we ever come across any horrible enemy, I would be happy to let them just die, if that's what you're worried about. I'm not going to go run around healing everyone who's against us. 
uh, Fishman flicks back to the page where that note was and like crosses it out <laughs> where it said, has great respect for the practice. <laughs> <And> instead writes, <laughs> understands hostage situations. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, but anyways, please, I will cover any cost of just one firing, depending on how expensive. Suddenly, <laughs> uh, Right. <laughs> Where should I fire it? Or do you want to give it a go? So as a quick point Um, of clarity, um, while Fishman is deciding. um, Oh, he's decided. uh, I did a quick calculation. (laughs) It is um, a single bullet, a single blast powder bullet would typically run about two silver if it was purchased outright or one silver, if it was one you were able to make yourself, Alton. That is my entire retirement fund. <laughs> that is not a good retirement fund. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, that is yeah. a lot. Um, um, why not both? Both? We're going for two shots? It just depends on how expensive it is, really. I, I still haven't gotten the straight answer, but oh. that's what I want. Yes, I was trying to calculate. Um, I will say it's one silver per bullet, I think. You think? Yes. You know what? Fuck it. Do it. <laughs> all right, all right, let's... We'll go onto the deck and try to shoot a cloud or something. <laughs> I have a better idea. Mm. Do you care for these dishes? <laughs> uh, do you want to shoot a plate? I believe that might be a very fun thing to do. We seem to have a few, more than we need. <laughs> I will buy more, I'm sure. Neris won't mind. <laughs> uh, uh, he might have uh, sass about it or something, but all right, if you're, if you're offering to buy it, sure. This is, as far as I'm aware, rate. this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'm not going to let this pass. <laughs> as he stands up and grabs some plates and closes his book and takes it with him, <laughs> and we go out on deck. <laughs> Well, all right. Um, That's a good distance. Just over here then. Now, would you like me to throw them in the air? How good are you? I've seen how good you are, but how consistently good are you? Hmm. I mean, I've been... Hell, I've been shooting for... A year. Good enough. Are you ready? Sure, sure. Yes, no, I've got this. Um, Newman looks left and right. Is Neris around? <laughs> At this stage, uh, roll me a perception check. Dirty 20. Uh, no, he is not there currently. He's not currently around. 
Daenerys is not here right now. Let us be quick. Let us be swift and quiet. But I know you can't hide the sound of the explosion, so let us be quick. And he does like a I see you to everyone watching and then does a hushing <laughs> gesture. <laughs> say pool when you are ready. Okay. All right. He gets out his pistol, loads it, gets into an aiming position. Pool. All right. And uh, Tishman will throw it. Okay. Do I, would it be disadvantage because it's moving or is it just normal? No, it's just normal. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. What is All the right. AC of a plate? Yes. Um, <laughs> let me just check my DM screen because there is like, there's like just ad hoc uh, ACs. Well, I rolled a 22 to hit, and I rolled minimum oh. damage, six damage. Six damage? Uh, is that going to be enough to destroy? <laughs> That's going to be enough to destroy something like this. It's, uh, it's Yeah, so AC is quite low. I'd say, yeah, yeah. I'd say it's fairly fragile, so. <laughs> Shut Holy shit. This is incredible. All right, all right, all right. My turn. My turn. Uh, My turn. Um, Newman. uh, Newman. Oh, wow. Um, Fishman. I guess I'm up to some cheeky business. Maybe that's why. I said Newman. That's his forte. Um, Fishman is on the lookout for Neris. Is there any sign of Neris after hearing a gunshot on deck? Uh, Roll me a perception check. (laughs) He's looking for, like, signs of Neris, hoping to detect him early. That's a 14. 14. Uh, there's still no sign of Neris. Okay, good. Because, like, I can't imagine he would be stealthy when he was coming to check if there was a gunship gunshot on the on deck. He would probably come <laughs> either one, alarmed, or two, storming. So, <laughs> I'm hoping there's, like, some thwomping. Um, okay, cool. Um, yeah, Fishman tries to take the guns. Are they heavy? I don't have your gun. It's a pistol, so it had a bit of weight yeah. to it. And Alton will just kind of talk him through how to use it. So be like, right, so here's the stance that you need to go into. Keep relaxed, shoulder width apart. Um, just kind of let the recoil go through you, but um, aim it like this. <laughs> um, Alton knows how to gun. I don't. Um, what kind of damage does a pistol do? Uh, what does a bullet do? Is it piercing? Yeah, it is piercing. So a pistol, this pistol, pistol uh, is Pist- one. Yeah, is one d ten plus dexterity. I just need to check about proficiency with this because you're not proficient with it. No, I'm Which not. No. I don't think you can add your dexterity. Unless it is a martial out. or simple weapon. I'm trying to work Which out where you add 
um, where you add proficiency and where you don't. But um, I, you don't add proficiency. I believe it's just a straight dex check, basically, for the actual attack roll. Uh, it's just the damage. I'm just gonna pre-roll. Oh, I don't know. I'm gonna pre-roll to just Darby it myself, just for, just for, uh, just for the meme. I'm gonna grab the plate and get into the distance. I'm just gonna be like, "Tell me when." Okay. Um. Uh, yep. Um. Are you ready, Darby? Yeah. All right. I don't know how to use this. Uh, shed the recoil, and I've heard this is possibly a safety. I don't know. And he's like looking at. It, he's like, no, whatever. And he he goes pull. He points the gun at the plate, and he pulls the trigger, and he rolls a six, which, including dexterity, is a nine. Okay. Uh, it misses. Like it shoots wide. Um, you're kind of rocked backwards by the recoil. Um, but the gun is fine and you are fine. Oh and the God, plate it was... is fine other than the fact that it is now in the <laughs> ocean. It just kind of Ken. feebly fell into the water. Ken, Fishman, you shape water to recover the plate. Uh, I think so, yes. Uh, he'll basically cause like a, kind of like a mini twist, like, what's the word? Not a twister, but the equivalent of an tsunami. ocean twister. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fishman causes an entire tsunami to bring a plate on board. Um, despite the consequences. <laughs> no. Uh, just like a little, tiny little like vortex. Ah, vortex. Essentially, okay. yeah. To kind of come out of the water and bring it up to the side of the boat. Well, I don't know how you do that. That's hurt. I tried to let it go through me, but I feel like I would have done better if I had have just tried to hold it in place, so to speak. Uh, right. I have so much more respect for this. Did you um, get good through practice or? Yeah, yeah, it just takes a lot of practice. No, you were you went fine. I think my first time I tried to shy a uh, fire a pistol, I was like fourteen. It went a lot wow. better. Wow, it's probably around this point uh, <clears throat> that you guys would hear, sort of just below deck, a very distant ringing, like a little handbell. Uh, that is getting closer and closer to you guys. Uh, okay. Um, Fishman will say to everyone, uh, keep this quiet. I hope you enjoyed the show. Cover for us and cast Fog Cloud. <laughs> and then gestures to everyone to get below deck <laughs> and for us to go back to the kitchen. <laughs> What happens? <laughs> <laughs> Roll initiative. Like, oh, no. like we're not like we're not going into combat here, but yeah. we're using like it's basically an opposed initiative check. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
natural. Uh, sorry, dirty twenty. Hasn't got a nine. But um, Fishman has been an, an active lookout. Hmm. Uh, Five. <laughs> so, even as as slow on the draw as Alton is, and I guess I should get a roll in for the crew. Uh, see how they go. Um. Uh. Yeah. They're, they're probably, yeah. So, so by the time you get out, Neris, you just see this dispersing fog and um, no one on the deck. Can Nizen please approach? Uh, sorry. Um, yeah, can Nizen please approach? Oh, sorry. Hang on. Have I gotten completely mixed up? Yeah, no, sorry, I got mixed up between Nizen and Neris. Can Nizen approach Neris? And um, Fishman would have said to Nizen, uh, uh, Fogstorm, uh, you believe you saw something? Uh, you sh- there was a bang. I don't know. Okay. He's not smart, okay? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nizen realized that. From below deck, as Neris was running up, does Neris recognize those shots as the sound of gunfire that he's heard before? Uh, roll me, uh, an intelligence check, just a flat intelligence check on that one. 16. 16. It's def- definitely gunshots. That's all we need to know. <laughs> uh,. <laughs> In that case, as Neris is running up, ringing his little handbell that he's got with him, uh, <clears throat> which is different from the normal bell that he has. This is a bell that he does keep like on his desk and it's like a bigger, bulkier bell, uh, makes a lot of noise. Um, and you do hear him yelling as he's like potentially passing you guys uh, like one hole down or something or rather. Um, and you hear him shouting to the entire ship, um, gunshots on Zappa deck, everyone to our stations, we are under attack, and Bell's just running off. Uh, and then he approaches the main deck and sees that it's incredibly foggy and a very calm nizen, I guess. Yeah. Who <laughs> relays what Fishman told him to relay and the... As Please the, not the I don't know part. No. As <laughs> the fog cloud dissipates, you note that, like, it is otherwise a very clear day. There is no ships on the horizon. Just kind of looks around a little bit. Um, now that he's actually out in the open, you can see him kind of squinting as he's looking uh, he is in like a, a bright blue silk robe. Um, he looks like, like he's got his, uh, a little headband on, um, and he's looking around. He's got like spectacles kind of like dangling off the edge of his nose. Um, and 
just kind of looks and notes the distinct lack of personnel on the main deck. Kind of squints and wrinkles his nose a little bit. Um, you know how it is in the pack list, Iris. Excellent job. Continue your work. And Neris will turn around and walk back and telling everyone if they had come out to assist uh, that it was a false alarm. Everyone is doing a wonderful job and they are to return to their posts. And Neris will return oh, to good. his room. How exciting. He'll just sit on his in his chair and just kind of like hunch over more knowing that something's wrong, but not knowing to <laughs> what extent. Okay. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, so yeah, we're, we're back in the kitchen now, I believe. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> that was, that was close. <laughs> This is exhilarating. Do you do you feel like this every time you take a shot? Oh, I mean it depends on the situation. <laughs> oh right. Ooh. And you like has to like calm down and he'll seat himself back down. Um and like get his notebook open again and start like writing a whole bunch of stuff in there. Uh, a little drawing here, a little drawing there. Just like rough sketches to be really quick. <laughs> and then he's like, um, do have you had a proper look at my weapon? I I don't believe I have. I only give a little bit of repair work occasionally to the stuff. Well yeah. as you know. I'm known as Fishman. Yes. And this is my weapon. And he brings it out and puts Ao Gwendai onto the bench. And like he looks down at it as if it's like his most like prized possession. Mm. Like almost like like caringly brushes dust off it. You can tell there's like some sentimental value to mm. this. Um she always 18 pounds and fires one <clears throat> sorry and fires one non-custom arrow at two arrows per six seconds <clears throat> and like he stares at you and says it costs 20 copper to fire this weapon for 12 seconds. <laughs> and then he gives like a little chuckle. <laughs> and like, you can tell as he's brushing, he like stops and like looks quite intently at his crossbow. Oh my God. Who touched Ale Gwendai? Who touched my boon? 
And like he'll he'll oh. scream that out. <laughs> oh dear. And like he's looking like very suspiciously, and like he might like peek out up at the stairwell from the kitchen and like see if anyone's like coming down or answering. Right. I may have to keep a closer eye on this. I don't like people touching my stuff without permission. Surely you're the same, right? Oh, yes. I mean, you know, the no one allowed in the kitchen rule. This scratch was not here before. Hmm. Um, can, can Elton see a scratch? There's a very small scratch. Like, <laughs> yes. I... Like he point he points at it, so I'm guessing you can see it. But like it's like nothing. But to him, it's like this is detrimental to the weapon. Aww. Oh, well, uh, my condolences. Might be able to buff not, it out. Look, it's probably not as bad as I'm making it sound. But like this weapon has gotten me through some hard times. I often, like as you probably know, I'm not. I'm experienced. Yes. But I do rely on others to give me direction. I can make my own decisions, but they're not usually quite as effective as what other people mm. might come up with. Um, and because of this, some people think they can outsmart me. But I am yet to meet anyone that can outsmart my harpoon. And then he will point it towards a, a hanging frying pan or something of the sort and fire his harpoon at it. Right. Which. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Elton's kind of like smiling. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, nice, nice way to think of it. And then just as he does this, his jaw just drops. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it doesn't. Um, that's a 12. <laughs> that, yeah, that misses. <laughs> what does it hit? Outsmarted by a frying pit. Again. <laughs> does it hit the wall? I think it just hits the wall, yeah. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Ah. Uh, mm. yeah, no, meant to be cooler. Hey. Actually... No, you're on the you're in the middle. You're fine. Yeah, but like still, like it's. I'm guessing the walls are wooden. Yeah, like, it it would leave a mark. Uh, I'm, I'm it, just talking about like if it's gonna leave a hole oh, to yeah. leave um, like water in. <laughs> but no, you're not that low in the ship. Mm. Oh, uh, oh, I he he like gets up and he like reels in the the wire and like gets closer to the wall and like yanks it out and like kind of like brushes over the wood. Um, well, I believe I put a scratch in your kitchen. Uh, this is yeah. very ironic seeing as though I just complained about a scratch in my weapon. Um, yes, I will sand this out. I'm sure we have something of the sort. I'll make it look brand new spick and span. Um, that was meant to be cool. I don't know. The, you with the guns, the way you held them, I didn't feel cool holding them, but when I saw you holding them, it was immediately cool. I'm not sure if that's just the way you hold them, perhaps. I don't know. Uh, 
Should I leave? Practice, but I mean, you can stay. I guess I would rather you not. Um, it would be nice if you would bath that down at some point. Like to keep this kitchen in order. Idiot. I don't know. We could play a game of cards or something, and maybe we could um bet some money on it and get back the uh. Ah, press of the you repairs. You don't want. You don't want to bet money with me. Really? I am quite good at cards. I see. I am quite terrible at cards, but I'll make it one day. Um, intimidation check. <laughs> Not intimidating in like. Scary, just like, like are you it. sure you want to play cards against Fishman? <laughs> what do I do against an intimidation trick? Uh, Inside, I roll not to pee pants. Well, we'll see what his result is, and then yeah, well, okay. Do you want to challenge this? Is the question, or do you let it happen? That that's my question to you, Joe. Um. Alton is not smart, so he will challenge. He will want to play cards still. He will challenge this. All right. You're about to have a field day. I rolled a two. <laughs> That's a five for intimidation. <laughs> I was really hoping you would just let it happen. <laughs> he laughs in your face. <laughs> all right. All right. Show me what you got. Let's see. Let's see the, these card skills. On the inside, he's like, Damn it. <laughs> they found me. Um, and then he will say out loud, cards is only half the game. Mm-hmm. Let's play. All right. All right. Um, all right. Let's, let's, what game, like, are you playing, like, uh, nah. a what? Go fish. Go fish. I don't know what to put. What card games like, do pirates are you play? Playing, they don't uh, play poker. But are you <laughs> like playing like? Texas are you playing like a gambling game, or are you just playing a social game? Or gambling? Absolutely, gambling. Yeah. Okay. Gambling. Yes. Then I would say, uh, because of the nature of that and the looking, um. I will get you to roll me a. I will get you to each roll me a wisdom check. Alton, <laughs> you can add your proficiency to that as well because you have proficiency in the playing card set. I do. Oh. Twenty-five. Damn it! Twenty-three. Oh, right. you got so well. <laughs> I hear what it's a very get? close match. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Damn, your proficiency must be I like out I, of this world. <laughs> I don't know what you what you actually bet, but uh, yeah, Alton. Uh, uh like uh, over the course of a few rounds, like he probably back and forth, both have some wins, some losses <laughs> each. But ultimately, Alton comes out on top. Uh, how much does he pay, Alton? What's a reasonable amount to bet? How much? Okay, so you you owed me like 
three silvers or something from before. You now owe me six silvers. Oh. Okay. Three silver was his retirement funds, and now you're going to take out (laughs) the rest of his funds? He's got nothing, leaving you destitute. Yeah, uh, add six. um, Add six. Score. Alison is very surprised to have won. And he's just like, yes. See, see, close match, but no. I'll admit you can't beat my skills. You are quite skilled or very lucky. Thank you. Thank you. Which one was it? I think it was skill this time. I've uh, done a lot of gambling. Uh, can you please roll intimidation? <laughs> I sure can. Oh, my God. 19. Yeah, he's intimidated. He's reluctant to play cards, betting cards against you in the future. (laughs) Curses. (laughs) Okay. So, Tibble, um, it's getting towards the end of dinner time in the mess hall. Um, Was there anything you wanted to do as... This was wrapping up or? Um, so Chibble, uh, in a typical typical evening um, with the evening meal, he's probably uh, moving between several different tables. Um, so he'll go and have uh, parts of his dinner with some people, parts of his dinner with other people. Um, notably, uh, the crew would know that he never sits with Kara during these dinners. Um, they have their little catch-ups afterwards um, and throughout the day. So he dedicates his time during um, these sort of mess hall dinners to socialize with the crew and touch base and make sure everything is running smoothly and everyone's getting along or at the very least, if they're not getting along, they're working together and that they're not getting along isn't hindering that. Um, So he gets up from one of the tables um, that he's just been speaking to maybe Florit at um, and has a look around. Um, Neris, who would you most likely have been sitting with, if anyone, for this evening's meal? So, Neris, um, some nights he will um, sit sort of on his own with his uh, with his books. Sometimes he's um, with various members of the crew, um, uh, Opac, a lot of the time, um, his junior. And tonight, though, is one of those nights where he has been sitting on his own um, and he's been sort of going through his notes um, and maybe halfway through a conversation, you kind of look over at him and he's had the same piece of food just on his fork for the last five minutes or so as he's like writing notes and kind of looking down. Um, And probably about halfway through, if not a little bit earlier, um, he is going to close his book, wrap the piece of leather around it, pack everything up in his bag and grab the plate 
um, and just kind of give a quick look around the the mess hall um, and just wander out back to his study. So, um, Tibble, who was looking around the room already, um, sort of scoping where he might sit next, um, notices this... uh, I don't want to necessarily say odd interaction from Neris because I don't think it's um, necessarily atypical of him to act in this way when he has things on his mind. Um, And Tibble is aware that while he doesn't necessarily have a full comprehension of things that might go through Neris's mind, um, he does have an understanding of um, what Neris, that Neris may have many things going through his head at this point. Um, And as the meal is getting into like the later half of um the i guess not so much allocated mess time like everyone's allowed to be there for as long as they need as long as they don't have duties further to them which a lot of the people who aren't on night shift won't have duties further to then um it is coming to the natural sort of second half to conclusion of a lot of people's meals um so Tibble, he kind of looks after where Neris wandered off um, and looks back to the table um, that he's just stood up from and he calls up and he's like, I, well, it has been a, a, well, a busy few days. I, uh, I might retire early. Um, go find Kara later or something of the like but um for now i'll be off uh, if anyone needs to find me i'll be back at my quarters maybe in about an hour gonna do a lap of the deck or something of the sort um enjoy the rest of your meal and um he's gonna roll a deception okay <laughs> because he is actively lying here yes and that's a 13. 13. Okay. So, um, you know, some members of the crew uh, are probably able to tell that Tibble himself has something on his mind too. And um, he, rather than the hurried scurrying on all fours that um, many of the crew see him do in action, um, he actually wanders bipedal. Um, out of the mess hall and back up, um, making his way to Neris's quarters or where he would expect Neris. I'd say he's most likely going to try and find Neris in his quarters first. Um, if not, then go for a wander around the deck. Uh, would Neris be found in his quarters? So Neris would be found in his quarters and what is a little bit odd at this time of evening, his door is open. So um, Tibble sort of starts for a moment when he gets to the um, sort of start of the, I guess, 
it is still a hall, but the boat hall, um, where Nerys's quarters are off and he sees the door open and maybe a candle or a lantern flickering. And um, after a moment, he moves forward and he just wraps his knuckles, his little paw on the doorframe. He's like, uh, Nerys, is this a bad time, lad? Contrary, it is actually a perfect time. Would you like to come in? Aye, lad. Uh, shall I leave the door open or...? Please close the door on your way in, Captain. Of course. And he um, turns and sort of shifts this door that is many times his size, but... Uh, he closes it with ease, given his um, formidable strength. It's like, ah, uh, I've been trying to catch you, lad, but I know you've been quite busy with the um, onboarding of our guests and all the sort. But I wanted to, uh, well, I wanted to touch base after the last mission. Yes, I am. Um... <clears throat> I also wanted to touch base, as you say. I wanted to think about some things first. Of course. Uh, if, if you still need time to think, lad, or you're not comfortable yet, I can... Don't feel me coming here is forcing the issue. I can come back later or tomorrow or we can have a nice dinner uh, once we've hit port. No, actually now is a perfect time and this is probably the first time that he's actually looked up at you um, since you walked in the room. He um, Neris has been sat on um, his side of the desk um, staring into the um, the divining orb, which is just starting to um, spark up, if you will, and kind of swirl a, a soft grey mist inside it. Um, and Naris looks up at you and says, Would you like to take a seat, Captain? Hey, lad, if, if you'll allow me. And he, um, uh, I'm assuming there's like a lounge or a seat or um <clears throat> yeah so Neris's room um as you walk in there's a uh, probably two very large oak bookshelves um which are almost uh nailed into the wall and they've got um retractable railings um, on it so that books don't fall out as they're um, as we're sailing um, the other wall is more shelving with sort of reinforced um, uh, like padding and um, barriers as well except this has a bunch of spell components or uh, empty scrolls or um, various magical implements um, uh, a couple of pictures just sort of framed uh, and one's kind of like just propped up on the floor next to a shelf 
there's a, a very large desk which is in the middle of this room and uh, Neris is seated on the back end of it on a um, uh, a complimentary large chair as well. There are a couple of other chairs in the room. Uh, there's a what looks like a, a two-person kind of like a sofa or like a... Um, one side looks much more used than the other. And there's also a little one person seat on the other side in the corner. And there's a couple of uh, just standard looking wooden chairs on the other side of the desk as well. And that is Neris's room. Is there a particular chair that Neris gestures to Tibble to sit in, or does he leave that option to Tibble? Um, he does not specify a particular chair. Um, Neris is talking fairly quietly, though, um, so probably one of the two wooden ones in front of the desk, so it's a bit more of an intimate conversation. Um, so Tibble... Um sits or sort of climbs up onto the chair in front of the desk, goes to sit down, looks up, sees that uh, he can barely see Neris, um, given his stature. He's like, <clears throat> uh, lad, do you mind if I sit on the desk? My apologies. Um <clears throat> Of course. Perhaps can I have some books or something? Uh, I can... Um, bit of a I boost. Grab some cushions for you if you'd like. Um, my apologies. Um, the the desk is fine. Like, I, I, the comfort is no issue. I've got uh, natural padding, shall I say. <laughs> and he um, kind of slaps his um, bottom a little bit. <laughs> well, um... Very well. And uh, Neris is going to just sort of wander around and will grab like a little uh, a cushion or something, like a little small uh, decorative cushion in a way and he'll just place it on the desk sort of in the corner. Tibble um, sits cross-legged on this little cushion. It's like, Thank you, Neris. Ah. Uh, well, I, I have some thoughts, but I also uh, like to hear yours very much. So it's sorry. I don't quite know how to start a conversation when a clone of yourself tried to eat the brain of, well, someone that you care about. And that person is sitting in front of you, also feeling whatever way he feels about that interaction. And, well, I try to understand things in general, but it's this is something that is out of pattern and out of territory. So it's quite... I don't know whether I should share my thoughts first or whether I should hear your thoughts first or if I may start just quickly 
saya. I do not. And Naris kind of pauses and thinks about his words. Um, you can be blunt with me, lad. I won't. I won't take offense. I'd rather you be honest. I am very aware that the creature that attacked me on that island was not you. I His not... um, Tibble's shoulders kind of slump a little bit with relief, <laughs> like with this tension that I don't think. Um, I think you could probably tell he didn't realize he was holding. Um, I do not hold you responsible for my attack, per se. There were a lot of things that happened on that island a few days ago, some of which I believe could have been handled better. What I would like would like very much to ensure that something like this does not happen again in the future. For I did not foresee this. And as our captain, neither did you. I... If, um... If I may, I appreciate your saying... Um, and I truly do uh, believe you on face value when you say that you don't blame me for what happened. And I don't want you to misinterpret this as me taking some form of uh, woe is me shameful moment. But I am your captain, lad. As experienced as you and the other officers in the land party were, and as much as I trust you all, it is my duty first and foremost to ensure the safety of my crew. And as far as I'm aware, I was the first taking. So that responsibility and that blame, while many events happened, and many choices were made. That rests on me. I don't want you to blame yourself, and I don't want you to blame any of the other officers that were present. Not that I am assuming that you are, but if you are, I would very much like if that responsibility was uh, lifted back onto me. It's my job. My job is not only to accomplish the missions that we have, but to ensure the safety of my crew. And if I'm not looking out for my own safety, if I'm not aware of what is happening around me to the extent that I can tell that I'm in danger, then I'm not looking after the people around me the way that I should be. So, um, I guess part of why I wanted to come to see you was to apologize. Neris, 
I'm very sorry for putting you in the position that I did. Not only you, but the other officers. As much as you made many very good calls and decisions, and I do not doubt you being the next in command and therefore the officer in command when I was taken down. I believe in your capabilities as my offsider. It shouldn't have been something that had to fall onto you. I know I've asked a lot of you these past weeks, so it's... I appreciate how well you handled the situation. And I apologize for putting you in that situation. Thank you, Captain, for your apologies. The way I see everything that happened is you cannot change the, f the past. I should. What is done is done. However, you can use what you have learned from the past to change your future. And as both the quartermaster and chief arcanist on board this vessel, I believe it to be my duty to ensure that well, that the past does not repeat itself. Do you mind... <clears throat> Captain, do you have anywhere to be in the next few minutes? Neris, I'll be honest. Uh... I made a very convincing uh, ploy to the other crew members, may I say, that I would be wandering the deck for, say, the next hour or so uh, before retiring to my quarters for the evening. So I'm yours for as long as you need me and for as long as you ask of me. Neris very slowly um, reaches into a drawer underneath his desk and pulls out a um, another journal that he's got. Um, unwraps it, opens it, um, and looks at a couple of notes that he's written down. What happened? On that island. What do you remember? Well, I remember uh, going off to the woods, breaking rank to gather information. I remember leaning down to a little, uh, to one of the little folk, one of the little creatures. And then I don't remember a lot of much until well it roused me lad. and the rest you know about 
anything at all do you remember was there sort of pressure was there any sort of it felt when I went down to speak to the little fella felt kind of like um someone's tongue was in my ear and then in my brain but the tongue in the ear felt very literal and the tongue in the brain didn't what more can you tell me about the tongue in the brain it was slimy but not physically slimy just felt slimy and I feel like it was digging about for something it couldn't find. But it would have only been a second of it, lad. Sure, forgive me for asking. Do you feel if you were perhaps stronger mentally, such you would have resisted the brain tongue? Hmm. It does ask an interesting question, Ad. Um, I think it might also be to do with uh, what the brain tongue was fighting hard to find. I think that if you're asking if you're asking if me being mentally stronger could have stopped this I can't speak to the past but if you're asking if I'm willing to attempt being mentally strong in the future I would like to ask what you had in mind. Because yep. Neris, the future shouldn't just be up to you to look out for. Well, Captain, that is exactly what I am asking. I have been doing some thinking. I believe that if what I understand from the notes that I recovered, um, which I am more than happy to bring um, to the heads of the Hydra with you, if you would like, I understand that you were um, <clears throat> incapacitated at the time that I found these notes um, actually as a, um, a brief sidebar the notes that I did recover were um, damaged almost entirely but I have been able to acquire some loose pieces of information which we can bring to the Hydra if we so wish that um 
do you see it beneficial in any way, shape or form for us to bring that information to the Hydra? Or do you think that it is information that could benefit yourself and this ship on a less corporate level? I assure you, Captain, I do not understand what you are asking. However, the notes that I recovered are burned almost beyond recognition. There is but token information in there, so there would be nothing gained by the Hydra. Well, as as far as I'm aware, the Hydra uh, didn't ask us for notes. So unless... uh, Unless somehow some of the notes that weren't burnt were that weren't burnt uh, will put us in a position where the Hydra may favor us or that would be beneficial of the crew of this ship to bring to the Hydra. Maybe all the notes got lost. If you understand my meaning. Very well. In that case, as um, as captain, you can do as easy as you see fit. And um, he brings out the uh, copied notes that he burned and passes them over to the captain. Tibble takes them. Um, they're quite uh, a wee bit larger than him, but he tucks them into his vest pocket anyway. They bulge out quite... Um, comically um but they fit nonetheless thank you lad. i'm sure um what little you could gain out of these you will um put to good use but alas you mentioned something about the information you found helping in some way yes With this personal stake less so much on the broader idea of the Hydra themselves. Of course. So from what I can gather, there is almost a theoretically magical effect that this creature can do, almost like a um, a mental penetration, if you will, that I believe a stronger mental fortitude should should be able to fight off. I think even if we are not inclined to meet one of these creatures again, which I am not entirely certain with yourself, but I do not. It may be beneficial to practice against unfriendly magics. How to defend oneself. Uh, Neris, if I may be a bit blunt with you, Is this teaching going to be something between you and I, or something that we are teaching the larger crew? 
I'm sure some things that we can bring to the crew in the future would be very beneficial. And it is definitely something that I would like to work on. However, as our captain and someone who has been subjected to this in the past, I feel like it would be of importance to start with yourself. Um, I only ask because, lad, it sounds a tad dangerous. And I would much rather we start with me. Well, you are in luck. That was my plan. Aye, that is why I asked. (laughs) Good, we've got that established then. Perfect. Um... How does roundabout now sound? As I said, I'm yours for as long as you ask of me. Wonderful. Um, Neris is going to grab the wand that is uh, positioned on his table, um, and he's just going to quickly flick uh, behind the captain to the door, um, and a mage hand just comes across and just slightly locks the door. I do not wish to be disturbed at this moment. Not while we are both potentially in a fragile state. Of course. So, what I have planned, and he pulls up this journal that he's got in front of him when he begins reading. I would, with your permission, attempt to cast unfriendly magics upon you and you will attempt to resist. This will not hurt. It may be a touch uncomfortable. It would be more of a mental needle in a way instead of a brain tongue. Would it be similar to when you, uh... When you do that magic thing sometimes to... gather how I'm feeling about things? That is exactly what I wish to do, Captain, except in this instance, I do not want you to let me in. I... A more, uh, sort of... forceful way rather than a friendly um, nudge. I wish to learn things, and you wish to not allow me to. Aye. Are you ready to begin, Captain? Ready when you are, Nerys. Nerys has a little twitch of a grin. Um, it's not... It's not happy. It's not expressing emotions as such. It's um, more of a, a facial twitch um, that he has. Um, and his eyes very slowly um, begin to flick down to the divining orb that he has, um, which throughout this conversation has been slowly 
roiling and starting to build up a little bit in intensity. Um, and he places one hand on that and holds the wand uh, over the top in a very loose pencil grip. And casts Detect Thoughts on the captain. And you would feel this as this gentle pressure that you felt before. And then Neris begins to speak. And as he does so, every word that he says, that pressure begins to build, almost like trying to find a weak point in a balloon to try and burst through to the next layer. And Neris is going to say, It was a trying time for you in Sakruon's island. There's multiple things going wrong under your command. That must have been quite emotional for you, no? And Neris is going to push. Chibble's going to attempt to resist. Um, which save would this be? <laughs> this is a wisdom saving throw DC 18. Um, I don't think any of us expected this outcome first try. Success? That's a natural 20. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so you would just feel this, um, the surface sort of thoughts would shift around for a moment and you might expect to feel um, guilt or hurt or upset, but what you actually find there just in your little surface, so like with the initial casting before you start probing, um, might actually take you off guard, which may contribute to um, why it then was so easy for Tibble to resist. Um as what you sort of sense is this feeling of pride um, specifically towards you, um, a feeling of warmth specifically towards Rue, and a feeling of accomplishment. And the image you would get is each of the... Um, shore members returning um so when the fish man rejoined the party um when uh i've forgotten his name the little our little offsider at uh, nizen um when nizen returns to the group um unscathed and un brain melted um when alton uh When Alton manages to um, not lose his ship around so many people as frustrating as um, he may find. 
and around um, Tibble specifically, and you'd get that warmth. And then as you sort of push um, this sort of mental lock just stops you there and you feel this strength but it's not quite like you'd expect a um, wall or something structured but it, it just kind of feels like the wind in the sails shifting you back on course and off the path where you were How was that? It's done very well. I don't feel any um brain worms. You're not going easy on me, are you? Interesting. Perhaps. Perhaps we try again. I. Naris is just gonna. Just mark a little uh, asterisk um, next to one of his lines that he's got. And we'll return to his um, <clears throat> to his divining orb. Uh, and is going to recast the spell. And he's going to focus on something that the captain mentioned, or that he picked up from the captain before he was cut off. Again, Tibble feels that pressure slowly begin to build and then that prodding, almost insistent and never ending in various parts of your mind. He has taken some guests on board the Polaris, bound for Ancathea. You have strong feelings about one of them, do you not? Tell me about how you feel about Rue. He's gonna push. Um, so the initial surface thoughts that you would feel um, just still radiate that warmth. And it's almost like a familiarity. Um, and then um, there's this light sort of, you feel that wind trying to push you off course, um, but then the wind sort of swirls around a little bit. And as you follow it, um, you're taken on a path through Tibble's brain um deeper and deeper until you find a space of a younger tibble um fresh fresh faced and um early sailing and you don't quite get full memories but you get glimpses of understanding where Tibble being fresh-faced and off the docks, um, not quite understanding the people around him, um, being mocked for having 
his um, wife with him, um, being him experiencing but not quite understanding um, people harming her and not quite understanding the hurt she feels until she's expressed it to him. Um, and there's a sorrow that sits there, um, a sorrow that's associated with his lack of connection with the people around him. And then you see the private conversation that happened between Rue and Tibble. And you don't see the whole thing. Once again, you see snippets um, of Tibble speaking about the villagers and the way that they treat Rue and Rue trying and not quite understanding and just this feeling of other and this dissociation um, and you feel that warmth creep back in again and you see it for what it is, which is recognition and opportunity. And you begin to understand that Tibble, you begin to understand that the intent for Tibble is to help Rue understand their difference and get past that and come to terms with it and not see it as a hindrance. Naris is going to withdraw slightly, keep the spell going. Um, I'll say tis Very bold of you. You wish to help. It is something I have come to expect from you. You're doing incredibly well, Captain. I need you to know that. In that sort of connection, you feel this flicker of uh, warmth again, this time directed towards you. But then you feel um, Tibble kind of squash it down. Um, and it's a flicker of not quite shame, almost like this little bit of embarrassment, not because of the feeling, but because he knows that he's not meant to be showing you what's going on in his brain. So you can tell it's not an embarrassment about the feeling. He is fine with you knowing that that is the feeling that he is feeling. Um, but it's very much like, oh, he's not meant to be seeing this. <laughs> and less in a shameful way and more in a, he explicitly, I have been given instructions and I'm trying to follow them sort of way. Perfect. Captain, use that emotion. Force me out. Okay, um, when you give that instruction, Tibble, uh, 
you feel like a mo- a hint of surprise and in those surface thoughts you'll also notice like the fact that he is not speaking and he's not spoken pretty much since you've cast both rounds of spells and you can tell with his surface thoughts that he does not think if he was speaking he could concentrate long enough to actually force you out um he knows that once he starts speaking his brain won't focus on the inner thoughts and it will only be the outer thoughts and so the inner thoughts will be laid bare um but when he hears that instruction from you he it it almost feels like he's pulling a sail back towards him pulling a rope to pull that emotion back towards him and you feel uh that warmth towards you come back um and (laughs) before that becomes something you can focus on um the wind starts to pick up again and you feel the wind shift you to the skirtings and periphery of thoughts and memories and just as you think you're going to be shifted out um the sails change direction again and you can tell he was close this time it was so close to being able to push you out but um you curve back in again and you see snippets of yourself when you first joined the crew and you see snippets of yourself in moments where i don't think you realized you were being watched I think these are moments that you thought you had concealed quite well in your early days. And you see Tibble younger than he is now, but very much how you remember him. Seeing this new crew member and just trying to learn you not so much learn about you as he has your dossier and he can have conversations with you but learn your emotions and learn your sort of patterns and it feels less so much in a way that you might expect from someone else who isn't Tibble, um, where they might be trying to find an advantage. It just very much truly feels like he's just trying to understand someone who isn't himself. And um, so you see these moments, moments where you're working yourself ragged, um, moments where you are putting so much of yourself into your study where you're (sighs) days where you have gone all day without eating after not sleeping the night before and you see yourself in this 
way where perhaps to someone else you might look, there might be this feeling of maybe panic or um, concern as you may look kind of a bit withered or a bit um, haggard to the outside. But from Tibble, you just feel this curiosity to begin with that as time moves on and understanding grows, slowly grows into a familiar concern, a concern of understanding and a concern of recognition. And as you feel that recognition settle into Tibble within the first couple of weeks of your (laughs) journey um, on the Polaris, you feel the memories shift again and you see a very young Tibble this time, um, maybe 17, 18, um, walking into a pub, a tavern for the first time. He's with a group of friends and you see this tiny, slight little figure um, within the corner of this tavern. And she carries a similar, a similar overworkedness, a similar push, a similar exhaustion and a similar drive. And it, while it doesn't feel like looking in a mirror, it feels like some form of distortion of self. And it probably takes you a moment to recognise that this figure is Kara. She looks very different. Um, she's very thin as opposed to the homely woman you see her as now. Um, her features are very different from what you recognised her as um, prior and you don't believe that you would have read her for who she is properly. Um, and you hear something nasty being said around her as she serves someone at the table. And you see Tibble frown, not quite understanding the term that's put in front of him. And... Um, you see him go up to this uh, this slight figure and he asks her, he says, Excuse me, lass. Sorry to interrupt, but I don't quite understand why that man was referring to you in that way. And you see her look up at him and... She looks at him so shocked and surprised um, 
because in him she sees recognition for who she truly is. And then things shift back. And I think for the sake of brevity, um, two of you continue this back and forth of training for an hour, another couple of hours um, before eventually retiring for the night. And that, I think, is where we're going to leave that scene. Oh, that was yay! Amazing. People got it. It was so beautiful. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> it was so funny. Yes. Changing it to a My God. <laughs> oh, if, if, if anyone has, doesn't know what it is, it's from Team Fortress 2, and there's like a really buff Russian who has a minigun called Sasha, and he yeah. goes, this gun costs... $12 million to fire for 12 seconds. And then he's like, oh, my God, who taught Sasha? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, some people think they can outsmart me. I'm yet to meet a person who can outsmart bullet. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's so good. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs>